So welcome to episode 5 of Train Talk Troops. I'm here with Kevin Casey. Um, he's my own brother and he's here to talk about his last his experience with GA for the last 15 years playing it. Talk a little bit about Irish culture and also music and food. Anything to do with Irish culture a bit. Mm-hmm. But first, for people who don't know exactly what Gaelic football is, can you explain? Yeah, so it. Gaelic football is essentially it's a hybrid between soccer and rugby. Ball, 15 players on the field. Uh, lined out, always the same three in the full back line, three to half back line, two midfielders, three and a half forward line, three and a full forward line, and then you have your keeper. So ball's thrown in in the middle, two teams compete for the ball, sets of four players in the middle, they're, they're competing for the throw. And what you have then is you're handing the ball, so you're passing with your fist or with your foot. Every four steps you have to get in solo or a, a hop. And it's one, of, it's one of the only field games that there's no offside rule as well, actually funny. Sure, but there is a square ball rule. Okay. So if you have a player inside the small yard box, six yard box, if you have a player inside there, that player can't enter that box until the ball has actually gone through. Right. So he can't be standing in on the keeper's goal and waiting for the ball to come in. So yeah. in between that then you have your goalposts, so you have one point taking the ball over the bar and yeah. in between the two bars. And that was your goal then is three points. Yeah. So seventy minute match, thirty five, thirty five minutes aside. And tell me, how did you get into it? At what age did you start into it? Started when I was nine. Um one of my best mates in school at the time was playing for the local club. He was telling me, Oh, you know, we go down training Saturday mornings, we do a bit of kicking around, not much, just a bit a of bath really. No, it was Craig Kelly. Okay. Um so said, you know what, I'll give it a go and the school was doing as well, coming one school, which was great in, in the primary school to keep moving home. So that started, uh, me and Daniel, and my brother, brought down along. Bit iffy at the start, kind of getting to know new people, because you, you do know one or two from school, but essentially the rest of the team, no clue. We always would have played it a little bit, um, you probably would have had the basic of this, the skill, or what it was about, we would have watched it at home, yeah. would have kicked around the ball a little bit, being with three brothers, we, we would have kind of had that. Yeah, brought to the games as well. Like you, yeah. Yeah. Fortunately, I would like to take up part in a completely different sport. I won't get into that now, but yeah. very fast paced. But if that's the fastest land sport, actually, yeah. you know, isn't it also yeah. a game of games? I don't know as well on the on the actual sport. It's an amateur sport. Yeah. The guys will be watching the TV, they don't get paid for it. No. no. They get up at their seven in the morning, six half six in the morning, train in the gym, yeah. go to work, and then come home and train and pitch, you know. So yeah. and it's great that it's still live and playing well. You're still playing. Still playing, yeah. And you also played soccer before. Days, yeah. well, what made you carry on the ga opera soccer? Um, I think what happened was uh, we got to a stage where when I was playing it, it was every year, so it was under 10s, then it was under 11s, then it was under 12s, and I went up to under 14s, and that was a jump then to under 16s, completely different kettle of fish. A few of the lads I played with moved on to different sports. I didn't fully get on with a lot of the lads I played on the older team. Unfortunately, I dropped. Now I went to go back playing 18. The problem with that is when you're playing GA, you're physical, so the ball's coming to you in GA, you know, you're competing with your shoulder and the player, there's a bit of wrestling around within the within the rules obviously, but the soccer came and someone gave a, you know, a long ball in the top and I kind of gave the defender a shove and he hit the ground and it was a free, you know, it, it just, it, it's a different mindset, not that it's, it, it's, it's still, it's still physically uh, quite a tough sport, but it's not, um, there's no physicality between getting better your marker, it's, it's all in fitness. Yeah. There, is, there are sort of some similarities, I suppose you're, you're looking for a goal, mm-hmm. maybe it's foot, foot skill and mm-hmm. marking, 
that kind of thing. It's all similar, but do it. Obviously, the the rugby influence yeah. on Gaelic football from its origins. Yeah, it's 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 a different game. Mm. And even if you look at the evolution between GAA say in the nineties compared to GAA now, physicality has gone up a lot. But just because of the injuries that players are picking up, it's just a little bit. You know, some head injuries, and so they kind of have to look at the rules. So it is you find playing uh, the difference. Is, I find this is a major difference between Division One teams and Division Four teams. The physicalities in the Division Four teams of the nineties sport. You know, go out and give them a day, you know, go out and get the better of them. Division one teams not play that. They're, they're up with the rules, you know. You can't do that. You can't get away with that. You have to be more skilled football for Division one than physically able. You know? Yeah, because you, you do notice the difference between gal players and soccer players. Mm-hmm. You know, their, their upper volume is much more built because yeah. they have to contend with that clash of shoulders and yeah. probably go with a bigger frame or whatever. Yeah. But there is also an evolution of your training that mm-hmm. I've seen since your kids that where your training was a lot of ball work and all the pitch play. Now there's also, in a lot of gated teams, they play kind of, they bring boxing elements and weights into it a bit and more stuff like that, don't they? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. We, we, we were at the start this year, we were down in a tie, St. Michael's uh, Boxing Club. Um, we were getting put to our, you know, put to the test and it was, this was, you know, January, February training before we went on the pitch. This was circuit training. And you would find it, you know, you, you're coming back after Christmas, Want to get back into it, and you think, you know, I can, you know, I still have, I still have some of my physicality. I didn't go over the top of Christmas, but that's a different kettle of fish altogether. You know, your you push-ups, you're straight into burpees, then you're into running on the spot, and then just when you finish one round, you think, as as normal, say two years ago, your manager would say, right, that's a minute break. There's no stopping. I mean, you finish your round, back to the start again, with another two rounds, and. and it, the only thing what gets you through when you're looking at the fellow beside you and he's is sweating as much as you are. Yeah. And I say, oh, you, you push forward. Yeah, it's kind of a mental challenge at the same time as, as encouraging him. You also want to say, I'm not better than before him. That's that's what we also touched on with the podcast with Quinn. Mm-hmm. The army mentality, you know, when you're yeah. in a group of guys, you know, you know everyone else is suffering through it as long as well with you. Mm-hmm. And you kinda of don't let them down, you don't let yourself down and then you, you push through it. And but also hydration is a big thing as well. I remember you saying, you were the first one told me, you know, you want to be drinking water, sipping water the day before mm-hmm. you're planning a big job in the morning or in the desk or before anything. You know, hydration is key. Yeah. You just see it an awful lot and even keep your mind sharp, you know, mm-hmm. people drink an awful lot of water just to hydrate the whole system. Boost your system. Yeah, you know, one mistake a lot of people make is on the morning of when you get up and it's a really hot day and say so yesterday was raining yeah. and now the match day is on and you start yeah, people start guzzling in the water. What you can actually do is you can actually pump too much water into your body. And now there is there is a serious case with where they can actually a lot of people do when they go out swimming and they actually find themselves gasping for air because they've actually overloaded on water. Yeah. It also can give you stitches if you're loading up before, straight away before playing, isn't it? Yeah. Um, also, I was looking up a lot of, um, or that would have played a bit of Ga. Mm-hmm. I didn't play it an awful lot. You and you and Dan played it. Mm-hmm. And I know you're laughing the story, you're going to think of my, my career, Ga, was quite a bit short. Very short, yeah. Do you want to tell that story? You were like, you probably witnessed it, I think. I died at sight like you, but you know, you were running up the line, ball in hand. It wasn't on long, you know, I never heard of you. Technique of running was a little bit strange, but boots were kind of left and right. But you took that hopper, the solo one, and went up too far in the air, and your man kind of just tapped it over your head. He came up the field, and fairness, did you caught up with him? 
but what you've done after then <coughs> wasn't even in the 90s where it was a GA, you know, you pulled this ponytail and you hit the deck. We shouldn't have had a ponytail, that was no, all the lesson. Yeah, yeah. People call that day. <laughs> and I could retire then because he learned his lesson. Yeah. But I was looking up with genetics and families who are playing uh, sports, mm-hmm. different types of genetics. I read a lot about um, fast twitch and low and slow twitch kind of muscle groups, okay, yeah. which lets more oxygen in. Um, there's certain people who are fast twitch who are better sprinters. Mm-hmm. Who slow twitch kind of muscle groups let more oxygen in and a better long distance running. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot more you can read now. It's the same thing with your evolution of your training, mm-hmm. and you're saying the injuries. They know an awful lot more now. Yeah. You know about people and they can do a lot of tests on them and they know who's good in what position. Mm-hmm. You know and sports science. Yeah, yeah, it's sports science. Yeah. It's become the big thing. Isn't yeah, it? a lot of people are getting into it. And you know, in one way you look at it. Sometimes I'll be honest. When I initially I was kind of like. That sounds like an easy job, kind of in a way, but it is hugely important, isn't it? Yeah. Like, and it is very interesting. Like, if you knew your sports something, so they would be a much healthier person. You'd be very hard to avoid all that. Yeah, but if you, it's the same with you. If you had a manager who, say, brought your team from underage all the way up, it's and it's the key elements were there at the start. You know, you had a full team that, and these players work well together. That the time manager can get a praise. For something that he's not really doing, you know, he's going out telling the lads, you want to do what you know last week. Yeah. As the players on the field, then you come now with the new batch of players and the new managers who have the sports science. Yeah. And they kind of, people start pointing the finger at the older ones going, you know, these, the sports science is working, what they're talking about is working. And they yeah. start becoming the, they start shoving the players into these sports science and they've never done it before, you know, older players. It's true, yeah. It's, it's a lot like the same concept of, you know, the lads who sit at the high stool of the bar. Mm-hmm. And share the TV. What the lads should be doing, yeah. even though the lads are playing for the odd years. We're all guilty of that one. Yeah, yeah, we are all guilty of that. That's true. Mm-hmm. Um, but well, we'll pull it back to how it originated, how far back it goes. Because I want to, I want to show also how it spread out culturally. And yeah. um, getting was illegal in Ireland mm-hmm. um, under British law, under the penal law in the 1600s, and it was in a bit to eradicate the Irish culture. Yeah. But only this week, I bumped into a guy. Um, Achilles um, AIDS, he was the known, known as the Baghdad bomber. Baghdad yeah. bomber, yeah. And I was in Casa del Soto, who served me, and I had the Dublin jersey on, and he says, um, Oh, you're from Dublin, yeah, well, they make it five in a row this year, and mm-hmm. he's, uh, the other people are from Leash, and he goes, Oh, the Queen's uh, Garden. And, you know, he knew all the stuff, he yeah. knew all the colours, and he said, All this, they play their league in Spain, mm-hmm. and Madrid are there, Dublin, he said, the yeah. population. And he says, um, Basically, he was just saying that, you know, even his jerseys on wheels, he paid 80 quid for it, and he was, you know, but he he, looked, he knew everything about Ireland, and hadn't been there. He did a show on Pat Kenny, he did a little segment there mm-hmm. with Pat Kenny, but, um, you know, it was great to see he was so passionate about it, and yeah. all his friends were, and, um, you know, they went from Ireland, but they were carrying it on, and it was great to see, because, yeah. you know, I thought twice while I wear the jersey when I was abroad, you know, being that stereotypical guy or whatever, but it's great to see when you bump into these guys. But it's, yeah, see, like, I know a lot of people who went to, say, Abu Dhabi or America, Dubai, and it's, it's the Irish culture when they go abroad, you know, like, you're, you're, you're going thousands of miles across, you know, you, when you want to keep something at home, something in culture, and obviously someone got a brainwave and said, why don't we start this going here around the lines? They have their own leagues, they have their own, like, I look there, during the week um, on Instagram and uh, Lee Trump had just beaten Lancashire by a point. <laughs> yeah, you know, and you're kind of going to, like, you, you, you kind of forget, but like, they're GA players, you see, um, 
like I said, Conley and them, they go over to play for, they go over to the States and they play, they get paid over there. Yeah, yeah. And there is a little bit of kind of going, do we want that in, in here? If you get that into Ireland and you really put it on the sport, it's going to take it out of me, you know? People, lads are getting up and doing their training for dedication to their club or to their county. You don't want them to just do it for the pay, you know? Another aspect of that as well, um, recently, over the last few years, a lot of the games aren't televised on, on the national stations, which is frustrating, right. I find. You know, when you, like big games, you know, league games, yeah. and then you want to see it and you're, you're looking up, a few days up to it, not going to be televised, we'll show it back on the Sunday game. Fair coverage, yeah. Yeah, and you're kind of saying, yeah, well, like, not the show that's on TV in this place. Yeah. Um, oh, we're, only, we're only recording one recording match today, that's why. Uh, like you can, you can watch it on Sky Sports Extra, mm-hmm. on Sky Sports Two, or you know, if you go down to the pub and you know, it's, it's, you're kind of thinking, well, what's going on here? You know, mm-hmm. you, you know, it, t- it took a lot out of it. I found. Now, I know it probably did a lot for money wise. Probably brought the clubs up a bit. I know there's a case probably there to be made. Mm-hmm. It's just for the average guy who loves the sport and for the elf and the sitting at home who wants to watch this guy like he always has done for years. Mm-hmm. It was a bit harsh, yeah. you know, it was a bit tough. Well, we're paying the TV licence, you know, and, and the money's obviously going to do these companies to, to support the, the what, RTEs or whatever they put on. I mean, you want to sit down and watch a match and, and Coronation Street is on, it was on Wednesday night, you know. Yeah. And we repeat it anyway. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. We know one wants to see that, you know. Maybe. Yeah. And not, not Irish people either, you know. We, you know and, but what is funny though is when it did transfer over to Sky Sports, mm-hmm. it had a lot of reaction videos online yeah. of Hurling and all. They were quite funny. Murder and hockey, that's what they call it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So do you think that, that, I think you kind of, you learn lessons kind of from that sport. Do you think they transfer and help you a good bit in life? Because, you know, from a young age, playing under nines, mm-hmm. you have this discipline to get out there a couple times a week. And I think it's seriously. It's yeah. not just an underground game. Like everyone takes it seriously. All oh, the adults around you take it seriously. Sometimes a bit too seriously. Mm-hmm. But do you think it helped in terms of health benefits growing up or teamwork from that age? From yeah, absolutely. Okay. You're a bit of, when you're under nines and you're there's everyone else is nine around you. But fortunately for me at that time, I was one of the tallest on the team. So I became I was put in the middle of the park, which is you kind of see in everything. You know, you, you naturally become a leader then. Yeah. So I was captain for maybe three, four years on the trap and mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And you do, you, you, you get big input. You know, when the players around you see you on the ground after losing the game and, and there's tears in your eyes, they naturally kind of think either something wrong that I didn't, I'm not that dedicated or I'm missing something, you know. And that does stand to you. So you start getting team leading skills then. You yeah. start telling people where to go, but you're not pointing the finger at them. You're not saying, Balls in the back of the net, that's your fault, Johnny, in front there. You know, yeah. that's you kind of say, Come, let's lift the head, get out of the hole we're in. We put ourselves into it, dig deeper, go again. And a lot of times it did work, but then, like, you're looking at teamwork and skills, you go into a job, any job, you don't want to be the one who comes in and starts pushing lads around, and all of a sudden, you know, people in the office going, mm, Is this fella, you know, yeah. you think, you yeah. know, this is not a GA pitch. So, there is some things you take away, some things you don't. Yeah, I suppose that's true as well. You can think about that when you're in when you're on a gaff pitch. All you think about is gaff, and mm. um, it can be easier when you're in work to you're in there for such a long time. The gaff is only thirty five minutes. You're at it thirty five minutes. You're back at it, mm-hmm. and when you're in work, you're there for the day, yeah. and everything else seeps in as well. And you can sometimes lose your way in your thoughts. But in the gaff pitch, you have to be yeah. disciplined and focused yeah. on it, even at that young age. Yeah. But you read a lot actually growing up as mm. well, didn't you? Yeah. And um, do you think that helped in? You still read a lot. 
gone off it, but I'm, I'm starting to get back into reading. Yeah, it's one of the things I regretted dropping. I think it was partly, <laughs> partly because I had to wear glasses. I didn't want to wear glasses. I took them off for a while, which would have affected my eyesight from reading. I would have kind of put the books down. But I did find it, it kind of it helps your imagination as a young child. You know, you don't grow up with just I play football, I go to school, you know what I mean, or I watch TV, or I play PlayStation, which something I still do, but that's just, you know, hobby, something to do. But when you're reading books, you start picking up new words, bigger words that maybe you haven't learned yet in school, you kind of ask mom or dad, what's that mean? And they, they explain it to you. And he starts, later on in life, when you use the words, you actually can't remember where you read it, where yeah. you picked it up, but you know It goes in the right place in there. So. Yeah, and if you, I, I think that if you weren't big into reading, you struggle to, your sentence will be very, you know, this is that, and that is this. And yeah, that. and I didn't do a lot of reading when I grew up, and I do find I struggle sometimes with words. Now, the days, I listen to a lot of audio books. Mm. Probably not the same in some ways, you know. I read a lot more in terms of, I'm reading emails every day, and I'm reading articles online, and yeah. things like that. Yeah. I read a book now and again. I go through a couple of books, very rare. Sometimes I read my Bible, that's rare mm. enough as well. I just glance, you know, I do find though, you do need to keep your mind sharp in that way. And sometimes audio books don't put it, even though you're hearing the same story, mm-hmm. I think sometimes you do have to, you know, hone the words. You do, because especially when I went back to college, I realised that I didn't even know how to, no, it's slightly different, but to research things properly and mm-hmm. to reference things to even write an assignment. Which is tough. Yeah. In itself, yeah. And, then, and there's a separate, you, you, you you, I can ask you now to write an essay for me, and you just type away. But there's a certain academic style of writing. Yeah. You know, it's it's very reported. Like a lot of times, they don't want you to say, "I studied this." Yeah. They want you to say, "This study that was carried out for." I use a lot of TSR. Sorry. But also, on the groups of on top of you reading like grown up, we would have seen the same kind of movies and films, heard the same stories, been told the same, and I feel a lot of digging into a few of these stories recently as well and a lot of articles I've come across and, and I think that they, you pick up a lot more growing up and this might just, I don't think it's just Irish culture because I think these stories do play a big role, it's universal cultures, Disney's, Disney puts them out and Penguin books put them out and uh, probably Evan might relate to them a bit but in some, like one of the first stories you're told is Hansel and Gretel yeah. which is actually based during the famine in Germany and the idea is that the mother and father, the father leads his two kids out to the woods because he can't support them anymore. He's getting so rid of them. He's getting rid of them so that him and his wife can live. Yeah. And they come across the woman in the woods who is who is going to feed them everything. The house is made of candy and she stuffs them with food. And it's actually symbolising is there's two ideas I think there. One is it, that's the overbearing mother who's protective, overprotective on her children. She's feeding them, she's keeping them caged up, unknown to herself. Mm-hmm. Eventually she's consuming them from the world, you know. Yeah. The second, I think, the idea there is that it's a, it's a warning for kids about strangers as well. Okay. You know, yeah, yeah, not yeah, to yeah. wander too far. Mm-hmm. And people might seem nice. I think that's the two kind of messages employed in that. But yeah. there's a lot of them. There's the idea of Aladdin as well, mm-hmm. kind of a misguided boy. Uh, street battle is derived from the word genius mm-hmm. and it's constraint that's why it's in the lamp and basically the idea is that's potential inside you and you can wishes wishes can come true anything can come true if you unlock your 
potential. Yeah. You may end up becoming prince of the whole land because you unlock that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the idea behind it. But there's two other stories. Well, there's Peter Pan as well. I think it's kind of about sacrifice and maturity. And it's actually a remake of a Greek mythology. It was a uh, Pan was the god of the wild mm-hmm. in, in Greece, and uh, he was the king of the Lost Boys, and his nemesis Captain Hook. So he's always watching Captain Hook, who is an who's an adult who is being chased with a crocodile who's bitten his hand off. Mm-hmm. That's like the idea is that's he has a clock in his nose, and that's time coming for him. Already has a piece of him, has a taste from him, and eventually he will consume yeah. him. So he actually goes so much the opposite way that he gives up the relationship with Wendy for um, almost for Tinkerbell, who's like the idea of lust and things like that. It's not a real relationship. He doesn't want to take on the responsibility because he sees Hook, you know, in that way. And the Lion King and Pinocchio are actually very similar as well. They're the disobedient sons, mm-hmm. you know, who kind of neglect their father's rule and kind of get thrown in the, the deep dangers of the world. And they ignore their conscience. One is characterized by Zazu, who keeps telling him to turn back. The other yeah. one is Jimmy Cricket, who is literally called his conscience in his mm-hmm. conscience. Um, but they both get lost and have to resurrect their fathers, the, the spirit of their father, to confront the evil mm-hmm. and come back. Um, so in Pinocchio, he goes to the belly of the beast, the whale, and saves his father. And in, in that's in Pinocchio, in The Lion King, it's similar when he looks into the abyss and sees his father staring back at him. He has to resurrect that spirit and go back and fight Scar. But actually, Lion King is actually based on, I think it is, um, what is story of two kings, isn't it? It's, it's actually Egyptian, yeah, it's Horus, I haven't written it down actually, because I just took a note of it, I only read it there recently. Mm. It's, um, yeah, it's uh, Isis and Osiris, so Mufasa is evil brother is Seth, who's Scar. Mm-hmm. And the brothers both trip their older brothers into their death in both of the stories, and Horus is Simba, and he's to resurrect his father's spirit in the depths to defeat his evil uncle. Mm-hmm. Both the exact same story. It's actually a remake of that story. Just for kids to kind of... Yeah, it's the same principle. And because it's been carried around so far. And it's, it's Scar is kind of a symbol of self-importance that holds us back from who we are, kind of. But I think it's it's interesting, you know, that them stories carry on into, you know, Irish culture or anyone's culture. You know, you grow up reading them and you probably take a good bit in more mm-hmm. than you think in, in them ways. But see, what is relevant they, they do or not many people realise is they actually each feel emotions. So you see Simba and he watches his father drop and he comes down and see and he's upset, you know. It's it's kind of one sense it's animals, it's teaching them about the animals and you know, they have feelings as well. And the other side is kinda of teaching the kids, you know, when something like this happens, it's sad, you know, and when something so they're looking at Simba who's crying over his father. That could be another kid in a class crying over someone related to them. Yeah. And they start tuning in to say, this is kind of like the Lion King. Obviously, don't say in their head, but yeah. some of their brain goes, this is what this person's going through now. This is how you need to kind of adapt to it. Yeah. 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 So <coughs> we'll teach some lessons like that. There is as well. At least Mark can hold these kind of values as well. Mm-hmm. He's playing with kids. Yeah. Can you imagine you're playing these kids, you're listening to your parents' lessons, you're taking in all this information, especially if you're reading books as well. But also, there's always, you know, they kind of took on the bigger evils by themselves. When you're on that pitch, mm-hmm. your parents aren't with you. And sometimes there's always a bigger team to beat, a tougher team. There's always a bigger guy to tackle than you. Yeah. And you have to kind of say to yourself, well, you know, you're in the cold in the rain, you're against these kind of, these monsters kind of mm-hmm. in your head. They're bigger guys, they're faster. Yeah. And, and you have to say to yourself, look, you need to 
look at yourself and take responsibility and say, look, I'm going to have to go for it. You know, and I have to do it. And my team is depending on me to do it. Mm-hmm. You might be faster. You might be more skilled. Yeah. You know, you can find your attributes that will help you get over that monster, over that mountain, or over that hill. Yeah. You know, that fine. I think that that's how you develop yourself. You're out of the comfort zone. I think if you start playing sports as kids, you push yourself out of the comfort zone a lot quicker, I'd say. Yeah. And you see, the big thing with it is a lot of people get into their head and they say, you know, you can be the best person at this thing, you are the best person, and get that into your head. It's very important to know that somewhere out there, there is someone better at, better mm-hmm. than you at what you're doing. And you have to understand that because if, you, if you're going out thinking, you know, I, I'm the best halfback in the, in, the, in the county, you know, and all of a sudden you're, your match on the other side is doing, putting the ball over the bar at the other end past you, you kind of start going, this doesn't make sense. I'm supposed to be, and you get you, and then all of a sudden, there's ten minutes of you going. How, how is this happening? And the game is still going. Yeah. So you need to be able to accept that. Okay, my man, he may be quicker than me, but there's someone. He has a weakness. Everybody has a weakness. Yeah. You could be out there. You could watch Dermot coming, and he's swinging balls over his left and right, his left and right. What's his weakness? Yes. Yeah. His, his, his his anger. You know, yeah, you start triggering him, he's gone. That he realizes, no, no, let's start pulling his jersey. And everyone knows him watching it, even. Yeah. It's like he can't control it. But like, like that as well, you say, you know, you, you, you might go down a few points. Mm-hmm. The guy is bigger than you. Mm-hmm. You're on a low point, it's coming to half time. Yeah. You're broken almost. But the game, you have to finish the game. No one's going to walk away from the game. No. You know? and, um, and life's a bit like that as well. You, you know, if you get knocked down, you have to just continue on the game. You know? But I, I could turn to my manager and say, you know, I'm off half time. And your manager just sitting four or five points over, and I could turn to my manager and say, you know, put, put a sub on, I can't do it. But that's the same as going into your manager and working home, you know, hire someone else, I can't do it. Yeah, yeah, don't take a few days. Yeah, you're not, he's not going to go, okay, yeah, it's no problem, you can take your time out, come back, and you come back. The, the first thing in your head when you see the picture, when you see that is, I was a player last time, I was a done by the last time, when I walked away. And also that replacement could be better than you. Yeah. You yeah. know, like you could say, look, put someone else on, and they could. You know, skate rings around that guy. Oh, and yeah. Knock a few over. Now you're sitting on the bench. Yeah. You know, same thing at work. Mm-hmm. You, could, you could go off and take, you know, not saying people shouldn't take stress later on. Like that. No, that's no, a different yeah. story. But, you know, when you come against adversity in work, you have to rise to it. And you might have to go home and take a look at how other people handle that and talk to a few people who are more experienced or older or like parents and things like that. Mm-hmm. And that might help you along. I do, I do think you have to surround yourself with people, you know, who. Who will help you? Yeah. And you have to know who to go to advice for as well. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about food mm-hmm. in, in terms of Irish culture as well. Yeah. And mixing the two food and sport because we all would have come, you would have been going to the pitch with an Irish dinner in it, yeah. which could have been stew or coddle, yeah. which are all kind of derived from the famine as well. You yeah. know, everything chucked into a big pot to yeah. serve everybody. Well, you, you explain coddle to someone who's not from Dublin. Yeah. And the funny thing is, and like like yourself with your friend and, and some of my friends, looking at it, it's it's not very appeasing, you know. No. Eating it is, is different. It's lovely. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's, 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 it's true. Is That's a good point because it's not just Ireland. It's Dublin. Yeah, thing, isn't it? A lot of people won't go near the thing. No, you know, I, I can't make it at home because I'm the only one that's on eating. I'll probably go off before. That's the thing. But where would it? Because no, I yeah. remember that mum and dad going away for a week and say, you know, I left a big pot of coddle. They do, it's gone. You know, yeah, so that full size pan is gone and, and that big pot is gone. It's butter and everything around the lunch, room. dinner, supper, all three o'clock snacking around. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> everything, you know. But, but yeah, when you're raised with it, it's the most nice thing in the world. I think some people look at it and say, 
No. Mm. But you know what, though? It's wholesome as well. Yeah. You know, it's potatoes, it's it's carrots, it's onions, it's, you yeah. know, it's meat. You know, it's the restaurants and stuff, they're not really, they're not fried and oil. They're yeah. not oil. Exactly. Yeah, they might even look the nicest. And it's good carbs. Like, mm. you think about a good bit of veg and carbs and yeah. beef, you know? So, like, you, you think that you change anything. Well, what's your diet now in terms of football? Well, at the minute now, I'm on a, I'm on kind of a bad, a bad year this year, and it's just a mix of everything. I started with college, then you're in work late, and it just kind of, I don't know, I've had an injury, the money out of the cast now. On top of it all, so my diet at the minute isn't, isn't great, but meet me there last year, I was, it was, it was past the dishes uh, on days of training, and then midweeks then, it could be, you know, a mix of something, and I was, I was doing gym, I was in the gym, and I was, um, doing a small one, so it was kind of, yeah, you know, you're doing your porridge, and they do it, and it, it's, at the first one I started eating, trying to eat the healthy foods, I kind of thought this is a mindset thing, you know, I have to believe that the, the porridge is helping me, so I'm going to turn it on, but you do, you know, it's a complete difference, if I, if I went to work, I didn't eat my porridge, I went and got a chicken roll for lunch, I was going to then sit down for another few hours, stand up then and go training, you're sluggish, you're gone, you know, so, yeah, yeah. It diet is a big thing for football, and it is, and it's a big, big thing for every sport, but you can't follow a diet for soccer to do with your, to do with GA. You, you're playing, a, you're playing a winger, yeah, in soccer, and um, so naturally you're just going to be moving from left to right. The ball, the ball might not come to you for another 20 minutes or so. Um, with GAA, you're always moving. Like, how quickly that ball, that ball can go from goalkeeper to full forward line, three passes. Yeah. You know, so you need to, you don't need, you don't need to be, a forward would need to be explosive, like a soccer player, but you need endurance. So you need to have a, a, a slow. In a lot of ways as well, I think it's easier getting into that kind of sport when you have friends going into you, into it, which, and I spoke about this the last time. It was, I think it was tougher for me because we did three different primary schools. It's only a couple of years then we went into a, a secondary school. Yeah. And we came from a very small primary school. It's only one. Um, but I think that that made it harder to play sport yeah. from a young age. You know, you were going in then and everyone was, was fairly skilled. Everyone knew each other. They weren't getting a pass of the ball. No. Um, There's discipline. And I find that a big thing with them. Um, like everywhere you go, you school, you have a set of laws or set of rules that you have to follow. With work, there's a set of rules, cold conduct, whatever. At home, there's the same. A lot of people make the mistake and think they go down to the soccer field, you know, or the gap pitch, and you can throw shoulders in, you call this better piece. So, big thing I would have found with, with the club at Grange Hall, nobody played for. At that young age, that young age, and, and like it was. I don't, I don't, we don't care if you don't like Jimmy stand beside you on the football pitch or Jimmy you can square off with. Take that outside, outside the gates, that's fine. You come in here, everyone has one jersey. And yeah, like I would have played with, with a few fellas up to the year standing on underage, so that may not have gone on with completely. But when you do come in, and everyone has, to, has each other's back, you know, and everyone's working together. I've never been on the field where I got the ball and I turned and I went to give a pass and looked at a fellow and don't like him and I turn. Yeah. It just never happened. And the same way with when I'm looking for the ball, I've never they've never turned and said, No, I'm not giving it to him because hardly just doesn't happen. You just see the blue jersey and you know that you've trained with this guy for years. 
doesn't matter. I don't even see your head. I just see a blue jersey. And I know mm-hmm. I'll give you that ball. Something's going to come out. Well, everyone's there in their spare time. They're, they're you know, making the effort to be there. Like if you, you either want to be there or you don't want to be there. If you want to be there, you're part of the team to be there. Yeah. And so where do you find the motivation, though? I always found this a bit tricky. Mm-hmm. Well. Maybe that was one side because my friends weren't getting up. But on a Sunday or Saturday, getting up and the pissing the rain, the cold to go mm-hmm. play a match. Now, I knew I wasn't texting any of my friends, but I didn't have a phone for us at all. But my friends weren't coming to play. It was a lot of guys I didn't know yeah. were going to play. It does take it though to get it. Like, you go wake up wrecked on a Saturday or Sunday morning, there's a match on. All you want to do is an extra kick. Who cares about the football? It's very easy, and I found it this year. My motivation was was down, and one of the big things actually starting near the end to bring me back in was you see a lot of the young lads coming up, and your position is starting to get challenged. I'm not, I'm no, no longer one of the young lads on the team, you know, or I would have been. But if you wake up on that Saturday morning, I remember years ago, and a mom and or a dad would be dropping us over, we're still in bed, and I'd be up two hours before that and washing my boots, getting my gear ready, and putting it on. It's, you get kind of a buzz and excitement in your head, even even if you know it won't be a tough, you're in your head and you're thinking, you're, you're washing your boots and in the sink and you're thinking, what am, what am I left to do today? Well, what do I need to do to focus on one thing? Why carry all your other elements? You can't just drop everything. But yeah. You start tuning in and you go, well, you know what, with, with this person beside me and I think we can do this and this and, and then you start getting, that's when you start, like, you see the phone over there at home. I'd be rolling out on that. I hate that problem. Yeah, you hate it. But, like, but it's the same with, and I, I, find, I find this with, um, with pain and the things. If, like, I, I could sit down on the ground. I'm sure you can show a video. I can sit down on the ground. And I can put my wrestling leg on the ground. And my and the leg I want to roll on the, on the foam roll. And I can force it and just roll, roll against it. But when I first got the foam roll, the one thing I wanted to do is if I can hit, and it's, I always say it's that, anyone I know, if I can feel the worst pain, then it can only get easier. So the first thing I done was I anchored myself off the ground and my two legs I cross them. I push my leg into it and I roll on it and it's a tough thing to do. You can start sweating as if it's a workout and you tears roll out of your eyes sometimes. But if that's the worst, you don't you don't have to go then you know if I'm doing that for a month and you can and if I'm doing the other way for a month and I know in my head I need to do the two legs. Would you put yourself through two pains? Or would you rather just put yourself through the initial run thing? Yeah. And then it kind of gets easier because your leg is kind of going, right, okay, yeah, it starts to get softer. It's a solution. Yeah. yeah, so that's what I do. And that's, that's, as you're doing that, you're thinking, you know, my leg is going to be a lot looser. I'm, I'm going to be okay today, you know? I'm going to give it my best. I'm 100, I feel 100%. Yeah. I want to go back again. Yeah. Anyway. So that's the importance of uh, physio. I mean, kind of, mm-hmm. I don't think maybe injuries that we last while and one was my knee yeah. and I'm doing the minute carry in two weeks time and my knee was happening and I was trying to do trying to do a bigger cycle there recently mm-hmm. and I found well I was running on cycling yeah big pain in the knee um, and what I had to do was I had to like I went to physio eventually couldn't do anything else couldn't even walk after doing mm-hmm. a tree came on like a, a 20k cycle 10k in it was killing me and I tried to do 110k did do it and then my leg was rolling off for a couple of days. Yeah. And I said, I'm four or five weeks away from Ray Kerry, which is 170 RK, and there's a couple of heels in it. Um, and she said, it's actually not your knee. And this is what, a, like, these guys are trained. This yeah. is a, like, sports science. You're saying, I'm saying, what's up? So I'm inside my knee there, you know, I don't know what to start with. It's not actually your knee. 
it's two huge muscles that go down. Mm. It's huge muscles because um, yeah. yeah. uh, it's two big muscles that go down from your quad into your knee, mm-hmm. and she should have, you know, the minute she put her finger on the thing, I don't know how I didn't notice it. It was killing me, and she ended up doing a she new know. Yeah. technique called dry kneeling. Mm-hmm. It's like acupuncture. But the, the muscles tight, so what you do is when she put a needle yeah, into it, it's spasm. Like, yeah, yeah. it's complete. Uh, it was killing me for a few days, mm-hmm. and she still worked it out. But then it was that was it. And I got on the bike and I went and did 50k, and I stood up on the bike and I was flat out and yeah. nothing afterwards. And then it, my only other injury is my shin splints. As yeah. you said, your, your muscles are so tight that your calf muscles. Yeah that they're actually pulling away from the muscle on your shin and on your bone, they're pulling the muscle away to come away from your shin. Mm-hmm. And then she's giving me all these stretches to do. And then for the first time in eight, I was able to do two runs this week. Yeah. Uh, you know, and my, my shins were a little bit hurting in the second one, mm-hmm. but I've only started doing the exercises and she's only started working it out. But the importance of it, like I couldn't believe it now. And she said, what do you want to be able to do? I said, I want to be able to run at least a couple of times a week without my legs calling me back. And I want to be able to cycle out any pain. They will sort that out. And just like that, after two sessions, now I'm going back there, you just going to work on it more. But like that, like the things that are rattling for the last couple of years, if I just gone and put my trust in it, you know, sometimes you're like, oh, I don't want to do that. And yeah. 50 quid every time you go, or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, but like, do you spend 30 quid and take away? I spent 40 quid and take away from three hours yesterday. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Why don't I spend 50 quid on getting yourself right? Yeah, you know? I think like, that's one of the big things I start struggling with, and you can see the two, the two, um, Supports here. I would go to them playing a match. The the white one goes on my left ankle, and the, and the black one goes on my right ankle. Simply because I roll my ankles. And do they come with the boy ones in there <laughs> to keep you from injury? Section three. Uh, <laughs> no, um, but uh, I, I I've been I think I done my right ankle ankle years ago, and then I done my left ankle last year. Now when I was in with him, I've been with uh, Oxley Sports Clinic in Tim Hall. I'd recommend it completely. Um, nice little drive out, but I know a lot of lads use it. But um, did he get a foot specialist in on the day? Now you have to usually book with him, but he said, Command's finishing up, he said, I'm just going to look. This is where the sports science come in. So he got me to walk, and there was a distance from me to use with four steps. And straight away, he says, This is your problem. He says, My feet are coming down. My toe, my the balls of my feet are coming the outside of the program first, and the toes are coming after. He said, "Now that's exaggerated, but that's so." He said, "What's happening is when I'm on the pitch and I'm running, the ground's not always level. So what's happening is my foot hits the ground, my big toe hits the ground, and my foot follows through, and I roll the ankle." So it's over pronouncing or something like that. Is that what it is? I, I don't know what way he actually says it, but that that's the problem. And it's the same way as I walk, and I, I do notice. I, I, could, I could walk 20 steps and walk towards you. 15 minutes steps are all different. Yeah. And I mean, maybe it's a conscious thing and you're focusing on your steps and you never do it right, but the way for me to correct that going forward is um, insoles. Insoles. Yeah. yeah, but they're specific insoles. They actually raise your toe up. I would have thought the other way around, but they actually raise it up to give you, to train your foot to, to, to go properly. But like, there's, some, there's some things as like a tight uh, cramp on your leg, you can walk through. That's yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah. When you pull a muscle or something's wrong, you can't train through. No, don't, don't even. Some people say you run through. Mm. Can't. No. And sometimes you do worse damage. You do. Yeah. You know, like I, I was told, if you run through your shins, a lot of people say run through your shin mm-hmm. They said, you're actually developing shin fractures here. Yeah. You know, so you be careful what you're doing, you wear yourself off completely. Mm-hmm. Resistance bands, now I don't go with me now. They're really good for training muscles such as your, your glutes. Good. 
They say lower back. I struggle with a lot of lower back stiffness when I'm playing. That starts in the calves. That that's one big muscle. Yeah. And it actually starts in my right calf. Yeah. Come up. Because sometimes on a run, we used to get pain up. Yeah. The back. And it's kind of like it starts being stiff and sore. You, yeah. you want to You feel like you need to release it. That's that's all it starts in the, the calves. You know, and glutes. Want to jump on to um, something else to do with music? Yeah. Um, with music. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I was I about music. music. Yeah. So between playing it and writing it. We've all played a good bit, yeah. I've written, I've written songs, yeah, and um, some not great now. So no. I think we don't do our original songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. But you had a you had a good one in that studio. Well. You had a few good ones with your bands. We've all played with bands yeah. over the years. Yeah, that's a big Irish thing as well, and it's definitely ingrained in our family. Mm-hmm. Probably from both sides, yeah, as well. Bit, yeah. And um, but like we played in the flats. I was only thinking to say it around. You know, it's, only, it's one of the only countries you can go to. You can go on holidays anywhere, mm-hmm. but. You know, a late session in the pub, it's one of the only countries who they end up in ballads. Yeah. If there's no new instruments, they'll still sing. They don't, everyone knows a ballad or two, and everyone gets into it, and everyone is quiet for mm. it, and everyone claps for it, and you see that every pubs in every town all across the country. You, you don't really get that much yet. It's, it is a kind of an Irish thing. Now, you do, you, like some people might be thinking, oh, yeah, you get that down by local or down. But across the board, it's in every town, you know what I mean, in Ireland. But if you, you see, you know, the really old ballads and the songs, and they've been passed. So, say there's someone sang it in Kerry, not about maybe 100 years, but someone sang it in the pub in Kerry, and then someone transcribed it, and, they, and they've done a version of it. You even find that now. But we, say we go to a pub in, in Killarney, um, you know, we, we come along and we hear someone playing a song, and we go, you know, it's actually not bad. And obviously, we YouTube it now, mm. but it's still the same method of listening to someone else play it and bringing it. And then we eventually, someone might hear us play it and say, oh, that's a good song. I learned that one. I look like you look at Beeswing or. Yeah, YouTube's good for that because I think the forgotten songs can be, you know, yeah. you see a lot of older people playing songs and you can you can, you can bring them forward. People might say, you can play that. And so oh, that's actually such a person. You know, Richard Thompson for you know, yeah, 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 yeah. or whatever, you know, a lot of newer artists can. Redo it like Christy Moore did that song, kind of yeah. brought it in, and people started looking at the originals. But I think they even like I think that that's kind of spiritual side of things as well. I use music an awful lot, but like for inspiration, going from you know, like even if, to do a podcast. I said last time, you know, this was Henry songs or whatever, like that it gets me kind of more focused on what I'm doing, running a certain playlist that drives me a bit better. Obviously, you know, uh, chilling at home, having my own place for chilling. Yeah. It's kind of lower key, not heavy, you mm-hmm. know. Um, but I listen to music the whole time. You yeah. Know, like, uh, I, I can repeat the same songs. But everyone, everyone's like that with music. Everyone finds, you might get a lot of requests off people, but we've gotten it when we're, when we're playing music. Mm-hmm. Everyone has their songs that they've, they've helped them when they're growing up or they went to and they've got my right space in mind for example, yeah. you know. Yeah. And we play, not just our music, we, we do a lot of, you know. Yeah, alternative rock and instead of ponies. Yeah. 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 American country even. Oh, you yeah, yeah. We do a bit of Garth Brooks and yeah. a bit of Cash we play. Also like that. You know, and it's good to carry it on as well yeah. and get people a break from because we play with flowers and that. And like, I, I like playing along with Irish culture. Mm. But sometimes as well, it's nice to get a break in between and do a few songs that everyone can just sing along with as well. Yeah. And yeah. Apart from that, you know, music is universal. Mm. When it's carried through, you know, anyone can play. You can play anything on a guitar. Yeah. Really, you know. On, on the point even of the, of the flat, I've seen that my girlfriend obviously plays in the flat. There's two different sides, but you know, there's us playing where we played in the tent and the front yeah. campsite. Absolutely. You yeah. look at them competitions. Now, a lot of people would say it's uh, Diddy Light music, you know, usually. 
and you kind of, and, and to be fair, I would have been, I would have been thinking that myself and kind of going down, but I actually sat there and listened to the dedication and the learning and the training and speed. the speed. Accuracy. Oh, well, it's, it's something else, you know, just, I was just looking at the senior cave and cave and competition and the, the place was jammers, big tent, like a circus tent, the size of it, mm. jammers, and everyone who's here looking at these bands, it goes on for hours. You don't get bored, you know, you're looking at different instruments, you're looking at someone playing the harmonica and all of a sudden they'll drop that halfway through a tune when the music's still going and they pick up another. Yeah, it's like an, it's like writing an orchestra piece, oh, you know, yeah. and, and you know, the, the violins and, yeah. and it just, a lot of songs I go back to, even at this age, even as a younger fella, you mm-hmm. know, when listening to teenagers, like some Ronnie Drew songs, and there's certain songs that have a bit more Irish music in them, yeah. they're great songs, you know. Yeah. And, but as well, I think the music, it's why I've never liked, I, you know, we used to play on stage at a certain time, and I, I wasn't ever shy of playing, but I never felt as though the spirit of music was alive in the place, you know? Yeah. You know when you're set to play at 7 o'clock or whatever? You know, it's not, it's forced, Yeah. more so, and I did like playing for a few balls, not that I was happy enough to get the few balls, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I preferred when everyone was in the room where you can feel it in an Irish bar, yeah. that people want to, listen, want to play, and want to listen, and want to join in, Yeah. and you play it for that, otherwise you're sitting up there by yourself, no one's paying attention until they get a few jars in them. Like it's not worse than we've done it before, and you're sitting down and you want to play. It's someone says off oh, seven o'clock, you know, and we just kind of kick it off. At seven o'clock, there's four people sitting opposite the table, and one person says, "Oh, when are you going to play that song?" And mm-hmm. so the guitarists come out for four or five people, you know, and then yeah. two hours later, twenty people walk in, and you, stay, you end up starting your set again. Someone goes, "Oh, play Wonder Woman," you know, as an example, and you say. Oh, But if you're here and you listen to music and you're in the humour for it, grab it out. And that's, I think, the, the whole Irish culture as well, you know, rather than not probably yeah. being playing up on stage. If you love doing it and mm-hmm. you're go for it. But just myself personally, I find it a spiritual thing where I'm in the humour for it, I'm in the mood for it. Yeah. I'll play better, I'll be more into singing it, you know, rather than sitting there sweating and going, about what song I'm playing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, is, it is work, it's it's pressure. Stress. Yeah. People can, can, you can sometimes play, people forget this. People can, you can play for hours for a night. You can have a few points and have a laugh. You're there playing away. People aren't into it now. And the problem is, you one song that you thought would, would go well and it doesn't go so well, you get a bit embarrassed and you're, you're going into your next song and you're kind of sweating and you're thinking, is this the right song now? Because it, is, do they want something else? And you start yeah. looking at your set list and you start jumping songs and all of a sudden you're a mess. Yeah, two of us have been in that situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So jump on something else then as well is faith. Um, would you say you're uh, atheist or agnostic? I was actually only looking up this before. To be honest with you, I'd say I'm borderline. And the problem is, I haven't found something that I have been able to believe. I haven't found something that I can link to. to not to say that if, if something... I, I have to see a practical side of it. I had this conversation with one of the guys work before and he kind of said, you know, Example, who do you think you and your girlfriend met through, um, through you were either drawn together and that's just, that's, now this is a different faith obviously, but were you drawn together and that your, your path in life was already made out? Mm-hmm. So I don't think, yeah. I think we put in the effort ourselves and we mm-hmm. made it work. Yeah. So, now that's not, I believe, I believe in, in like you, you, for you, for example, you said to me, I'd never not, because I, in, in my head I'm actually thinking, you know, Go down and he, he, that's what he believes. I'm, I, I kind of long for that. I want to believe something. 
but I can't just train my mind to believe something on the basis of, of a theory. I, I, I yeah, it's true as well because a lot of things, like I'm going to talk about a lot of things and I have said a couple of things here mm-hmm. like why like it's evidentially like whatever mm-hmm. i don't think someone talking to you will ever do that you have to go through you know like you couldn't sit down on a table as an atheist and someone convert you there and then but mm-hmm. saying logic maybe some people the bible it might work. yeah but like if you had a lot of things like this is why you're not believing this mm-hmm. this is why this couldn't be but you're, not, you're not going to change anyone's mind really no. i think that sometimes really a couple of years ago i had very little interest in the whole thing mm-hmm. i think though as well it comes, maybe not to everybody, but in my life anyway, it comes sooner or later sometimes, it comes knocking a bit. Mm-hmm. And um, there was a time where I was kind of like, this has become very prevalent in my life, so I have to dig into it, like you do with everything else, like you do with work or something you're researching. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to go down this road, I really have to know if there's actually base behind it. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> like it says, it says in, I think it's, Revelation 3.20 is that I stand on every man's door and knock um, and if he opens the door I'll come in and eat with him mm-hmm. and I think that sometimes when I picture, when I think of that sense I think of someone in the city I'm saying, uh, knocking mm-hmm. and you can have the radio on loud or you can have the TV on loud or you can you know have distractions of life getting there mm-hmm. or it's some people can have their fingers in their ear deliberately yeah. you know or it might come at different times you know might be you might even hear it or want to hear it but I think that's that is important as well. But um, so sometimes things can get in the way. Or if you're deliberately not listening to it, maybe you don't want to, you don't want to think you think that's the same lifestyle. I don't want to change the way I'm living now yeah. because I might have to do that if I look that way or whatever. You know. Well, like, I find even say one that has a work, we, we do have this conversation and he came up with an idea for something. So example that he he, he was talking about it. Uh, airplanes they now developed this thing or are trying to bring this thing in where the cockpit and the the base, the body of the plane, they separate from the wings and they come down on parachutes. It's to do with emergency landing. Okay, so so he was kind of saying, isn't that isn't that great the way the, this happens? You know, and the people are brought to safety. You know, going to say to him, so what happens to the engines? Like he said, they obviously just drop it over the water. No, no, you drop it anywhere. This is emergency landing. So he said, so what happens if that engine comes down and hits a school? Full of, full of kids, you know. Uh, but the people on borders, I'm saying, yeah, but I wouldn't want to be brought to safety to find out that the wind came and hit a, hit a skyscraper, people in offices, you know. Mm. And he kind of said to me, well, why do you have to be so negative about it? But it's, it's <laughs> well, no, not, it's important to see the outside. Yeah, I don't want to undestructive. But it's the same with, it's the same with, with fate. Um, if you said to me, you know, I was in a I was in a car crash and um, just me by myself. And somehow, uh, when I hit the car, I veered off, and somehow I went I hit a tree. But the tree only hit the passenger side. There was no one in it. And thank God I was saved. Could be coincidental. My side would be coincidental, but yeah. you're obviously saying you know I was being watched. Someone had was watching, which I would I would love to believe, and I wouldn't say to you get a grip. You know, yeah. that's I would say you know. Like yeah. you can't deny these coincidences that happen, you know, when people can get near calls and lucky. Mm. That's life, you know. You can get lucky, you know. You can't chalk everything down. You have to be intelligent about it as well. And um, I think you know a lot of things when I start digging into it a lot. I think in some ways, sooner or later, it's one that you, you, you kind of have to take a side on. Mm. I read a lot of things where it's one thing you can't be on the fence about. Yeah. But you can be for quite a long time, and then maybe sometime you come yeah, along, you have yeah. to say. Like, am I saying this, that, and the other? Mm. 
Also, I dug into a lot of stuff in, in I, I dug into neuroscience yeah. one of the first things I dug into and I, I saw this write about this thing called the God Helmet that's a nickname on it I can't remember the exact name but I'll probably put up a slide on it what they're doing is they're trying to treat depression in the early 1900s and, mm-hmm. and they're trying to they put this helmet on mm-hmm. and they're trying to get the electrical nerve endings you know in monitor people's brains to see if they can delve down but they discovered that the, your um, the low the cortex of your brain is folded a certain way. Okay. But no two people have the same fold. Fold. Even mm-hmm. twins, identical yeah. twins. Nobody. It's like fingerprints almost. Yeah. So yeah. they couldn't do that. They needed something to go down deeper. They eventually, um, through technology, they, they were able to get this helmet that had a magnetic pulse on it. Okay. Like headphones, where we're now, have actually a magnetic frequency pulse. Okay. But do not damage anybody. Mm-hmm. This one was kind of stimulating certain lobes of their brain. Okay, yeah. And um, but people get very afraid of it. A lot of people were thinking there's people in the room with them, and when they were having they switch it off. And then what they use it for is you can see a TED talk on this, where this guy is in a wheelchair, and just by moving his eyebrows, the wheelchair goes this way and he can actually, you know, send move send it. It's, yeah, 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 the signals yeah. in his brain and he can do it with software on his computer, he can type it and yeah, he types, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, so this is, like, you turn on lights in his house and all, mm-hmm. so it's kind of like, scary, it's like, a, you know, um, what do you call it, when you, power of mind, yeah, hit, 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 telekinetics, yeah, exactly, yeah, but that's even, sorry, just, even just on a, another point, which obviously not going to get into, but the big thing I think with this world is the utilization of technology. Yeah. And it's you see it in your job, I see it in my job. Mm. We do things because. But like you see that, people are able to send a wheelchair from my way moving an eyebrow. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it is. Yeah. But it's well, what they discovered with. This is actually a, a field now that branched off mm. called neurotheology. Okay. Because they discovered that. The difference between atheists and theists mm-hmm. was that when they asked someone to think of um, their God, or, yeah. or say a prayer, <clears throat> they activated the frontal lobe of the brain that the atheists never activate. Mm-hmm. So they're actually using a portion of the brain, an extra portion of their brain. So they're trying to dig into that. Mm-hmm. Cosmology, mm-hmm. and it was all about the universe growing from nothing, which I found hard to wrap my head around. And mm-hmm. I was looking at the see, there's a few types of evolution. Yeah. One is stellar, one is planetary, one is chemical evolution, mm-hmm. and even even that, how we got uh, you know uranium from hydrogen and all. You know, it doesn't add up in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And plants spin different ways, even though the Big Bang is a swirling dot. So there's a law called the circum. Uh, circumvation of angular momentum mm-hmm. and it's basically like a merry-go-round if, if you have everything particles on a merry-go-round they'll all break off and spin the same way yeah but six moons will spin the wrong way and you know it, it doesn't mm-hmm. add up that way yeah there's one that the moon you know the age of the earth that the moon is, is we're losing the moon every year by by uh, two inches every year and um, based on the tides rising and it's the same it has been the same for as long as they can date back, yeah. which would have meant the moon would have collapsed into the earth less than a million years ago because it would have been spinning mm-hmm. so close. Because, as well, when you pull something closer, there's an inverse square law, the magnetism of both 
puts it, you know, the rate actually increases. Mm -hmm. So they, they, they said, well, that doesn't hold up. In a lot of stuff, um, historical, kind of looking at scholarship, old historical scholarship, when I looked at it, Christ as well, because that was a different idea mm -hmm. as well, that the followers came out hiding three days after they claimed he was risen. Mm -hmm. And they're the only group in history who went to their bloody deaths, never recanting their story, and they were murdered and killed for it. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it wasn't just them who appeared, he appeared to over 500. And the first gospels were written six years, you know, were completed six years after his mm -hmm. death. So it was very close, you yeah, know, yeah. similarities. But I think, you know, they also there's like, I know there's hundreds of thousands of gods, a lot of atheists use that line, you know. But if you think of seven million in the world, and you break that down to how many are adults who claim a certain religion, mm -hmm. 2.5 billion claim Christ as the God, mm -hmm. which is more than half the adults in the world, yeah. including the atheists and other religions as well. Mm -hmm. Carries on, like just that one name carries on off yeah. So it was, what I thought it was worth a lot, you yeah. know. Well, like, even, like, I, I look at it this way you're talking about the, the beginning of, um, of the earth and the world. I can't wrap my head around it that, that it was a god that put two people on, on a planet and, and that was, it just doesn't, I, I just believe that what happened was, and this is my own opinion, not for, I would never force on anyone. I think the problem is because the world was here when we came into it. There was no books or no, so nobody wrote down how the world came. And I, I would, I, assume, I just assumed that the religion became like something. Man, let's, let's make a story about yeah. how it was, and then that could be. And I, and I would stand corrected if, if, if I could be proven. Mm -hmm. I, I absolutely would. But the same like, when I when I'm growing up, and I, I've had this conversation with people. If, if I'm having kids or a family, I, I'm not going to take away if they want to believe. That's and I'm like I said it. I, I do everything in christening, confirmation, communion. I never take them out. Because that's their own belief, and everyone has. And I would hope everyone has the chance to make up their own mind on it. Yeah, yeah, which is very important. Yeah, so they say that you know some people claim man made God, some people claim God made man. Mm -hmm. You know, where they yeah, stand yeah. on, and it, you know it is difficult to wrap your head that God made human from dirt. Mm -hmm. But the science books, which went around either, just kind of says that human came from dirt. You know, but, but we can't trace it back. There's no. All we can do is say that the universe had a beginning. Mm. Everyone's nailed that down, and yeah. everyone agrees with that. Yeah. There's a cause, but no one knows where the matter came or the energy came from yeah. that exploded. Because if people say God's not eternal, you know how can we say it's eternal? But then your matter had to be eternal to get the whole thing going. Yeah. It's, like, it's, it's, mm. it's it's a hard one to clash. And I think the only reason like delve into so so much about it was because it, it you know a few experiences I had that became more prevalent. Yeah. Uh, probably not going to go through that now because it's a long story. I think you probably know a lot mm. about it. Yeah. But um, I had to face it. Mm. But then but like the beliefs that you may have probably half had at the time, yeah, they fitted with, with what happened to you. So that's where your drive was, you know, I haven't had them experiences. So yeah. I don't know I haven't got a spark to say yeah, well, this is not like, yeah. it has to be something. And that's what I mean. Some, sometimes yeah. it comes to you mm -hmm. at certain different stages, different ways. Yeah. It comes to different people in different ways. So you know, even we're looking at Kyrie, you know, it, you know, it's hard for me to know is the love for just a chemical reaction in my brain. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think so. You know what I mean? Like, it means so much to you. Like, there's intrinsic value in his life. Yeah. You know, a whole that's such a high regard. Yeah. And I think a lot of people go about as if they're they believe less in the science that uh, it's all dirt. They kind of hold their morality. Mm. You know, it's hard to derive morality from science because why doesn't everyone just, you know, 
use everything to their advantage, you know, in a lot of ways. When you look at it, like, a lot of animals, not them all, but a lot of animals can make it serious with, with several. Yeah. We're more of a population or a, a kind of a, an entity that don't, you know, we pick someone. And I mean the same, I don't just think that I'm chemically, this I feel from a family chemically, like, and then that's it. You know, I do believe that in my head, there's, there's feelings there, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't wrap that Trap around. it down, yeah. Religious, it's just a force. Yeah, it's, 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 it's me, it's personal to me. Yeah. And it's my own kind of, same as your own, your own code of comment in your own head, but your life is, yeah. Do, this, is, this is who I am, this is the people I care for, this is what I'm going to do with them. Yeah. And that, that's, that's how I think you, you kind of plan it. Yeah, right? you know, it's yeah. True. And I think it, it, it fits in some way. Sometimes mm. it, it fit in with me when I found out the, the kind of facts behind the evidence for mine, maybe a bit better in my way. Where we kind of chop this down to a, maybe because we're in the image of God, maybe that's why we are more, mm-hmm. you know, that way inclined. Or, you know, but yeah, absolutely. And, and as well, talking about just the spirit side of things as well, yeah. one thing big with the guy is the team spirit that also carries on into, you know, also helps you excel when you're, when you're called on in other things. You know, when you're saying that. You know, you get the ball for you. You know, your split second decisions make a big difference. You know, you, and people have had that trust in you. Yeah. And the team spirit also when you go into work as well. Mm. You know, you're um, the spirit of kind of you have to hone in your own skills to yeah. be better as a team player, basically. Yeah. So you can't forget about yourself and fall in the team, or you you fall into that you know crack where other people in work might move on to a better job, yeah. or other people in say football team or move on to a better team or a better league mm-hmm. and you're left behind because you didn't you, you played with the team but you never focused on yourself as well, your own development. I think that's that's where it ties in a bit, both yeah. sides, isn't it? You yeah, know? I, I, I'd be big to put it in this I'd be big in, in the sense of uh, every small action has a consequence. So example, if I if I'm running up the field and I'm in my head I'm thinking, do I take a solo or do I kick it to someone? Yeah. If I take the solo and, and then as soon as I look up and someone takes the ball off me, the whole thing is shifted. Where if I just gave that ball to someone, the momentum is, is still there and it wouldn't even work, you know? If I drop a pencil and my colleague beside me picks it up, now he might slightly do something to his back, but not knowing yet. A week later, he goes to pick up something off my back. He comes grouch, he sits at home with his girlfriend or his family, you know, and he starts getting aggravated with them. And, uh, that's how I, I think I think every little, mm. no matter how small, every small thing you do affects somewhere in your life. Yeah, and like I, I said that in the last one, like trying to stone the pebbles, mm. your actions, yeah. you know, into the, into the river, your actions, you know, the ripple consequences. Effect, yeah. yeah, the ripple effect, you know, it's absolutely true. Mm. But I think as well, you know, kind of being at a young age, facing that adversity plenty of times gives you plenty of preparation for adversity in the workplace or in, yeah. you know, of, of being in the uncomfortable position. You know, you're used to being uncomfortable and it helps you develop yourself, mm-hmm. but you have to remember to upskill yourself. Like you're doing a college through work now, which yeah. I did a few years ago as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're doing very well with it. And then, um, you know, at least, you know, you'll come out, you're still good with your, your team, mm-hmm. but also you're developing yourself so you're better able to take on the challenges or anything that might arise yeah. in the future. Yeah. I think it's good as well. And that's what ties in because life isn't a scheduled game. No. And at least in a scheduled game of football, you can see the challenges coming. You yeah. know when the ball comes, it's going to happen sooner or later within a certain time frame. Mm-hmm. We have to be ready for it to do these things that develop you because life can hit you with a bath uh, situation. Yeah. 
when you least expect it. When you're on top of the world, when you're even at your lowest point, if you go go, you know, you get hit down again. Mm-hmm. So I think that's how it ties in. You know, if you're, you know, you're, you're training, you're eating well, you know, you're part of a team, you, you develop yourself, you go through your knocks, you, and also you carry on your culture and yeah, experience reality and how how you tie it together with everything like that. Yeah. Well, fair play. Thanks for coming on. And I got to leave a clip of a bit of few photos you playing the guy and playing music and stuff like that. I'll put it on. So that's episode four. Yeah. Fair play.